This part is being edited out. Ooh, <laughs> edited out. This whole empty space. Woo, 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 woo. Really? <laughs> Why? Having a little fun there while I look this up because I just, I'm having a brain meltdown and can't remember the bloody name of the episode. You didn't like that? I did. I did. It was pretty quality. It is I, Jason Hickey, but cadet? Yeah, you went from ensign to lieutenant, and I dropped you down to cadet. That's pretty brutal. I don't even think you can do that. I did. Well, I guess. <laughs> and folks, you know that since he's giving me a rank, you know it's going to be a good day. This is a Star Trek episode. It is, but I gotta say I'm a little sad, because this is the season finale of Star Trek Lower Decks, and we're not going to sit down to talk about Star Trek now for two weeks. Two weeks. Two whole weeks. Two whole weeks. I know. This is, this is what happens when we do every other... <sighs> I know. I but know. we also plan that because we want to make sure that we get decent amount of content. You don't want to talk about Star Trek once a week? I'm so offended. we're going into this episode now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Final episode of season one of Lower Decks. What was your thoughts? I was... I, there How, were... Was it better than your episode eight? Because remember you said episode eight was your favorite. Uh, Okay, I don't know if it topped episode 8 and 9. There is a certain sequence of events that put it above everything in the series. Mm -hmm. But as a whole, I still think 8 and 9 are probably a little bit better, but it was very good. Okay. And there was some really good surprises in it and some sad surprises. There was some sadness within this. There was some good surprises within this. And I gotta say... It, I, I was actually surprised by the very end, though. The ending left us in a place that I did not expect. Yes. So... It, it surprised me. So let's get into it. Yes. Last week, we know that Boimler found out about Mariner's uh, parentage, that yes. Captain Freeman is her mother. Yes. And while they're on a planet, I forget the name of the planet, I just remember it's from TOS because... It was actually a TOS episode, and I love the fact that... I, I love the fact that Commander Branson said, oh, these TOS-era planets, and <laughs> Captain Freeman was like, TOS? <laughs> like, yeah, the old scientists. The old scientists. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. Very meta humor, and it was pretty funny. Yes. But, but they went back to a TOS planet that had a really old mainframe looking um, yeah. computer that was telling the humanoids to kill. It was basically that planet did the purge at mm -hmm. the bidding of a supercomputer, and Kirk talked it to death. Yeah. But now they're back worshiping the computer again, and Captain Freeman threatens the computer with talking it to death again and tells him, you know, you guys really need to stop worshiping this computer. And then she beams away. <laughs> and then they don't realize that Mariner is still on the planet because she is giving no, 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 away. No. It's not just Mariner. Mariner yeah, it's not Boimler. Mariner and Boimler because they're giving away art supplies. Yeah. Yeah. Art supplies. And while they're doing this, Boimler drops the bomb. And see, first he, he takes off his, uh, so no, no, Here, here's the first thing. Okay. Yeah. Ransom and Freeman find out, hey, we don't have everyone on board because they're ready to, to warp and go and get out. Right, right. And so because of that, Ransom starts to try to communicate. Boimer was taking off his, his jacket, 
for part the top of his uniform because mm-hmm. it was hot down there. And he took it. He took that off, and he starts to hand off the art supplies. And Ransom is has the comm badge open, mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, you guys got to get back. We got to we got to get you back yeah. up here." And but stuff but he like can't that. hear them because he took his jacket off. And as Ransom is doing this, trying to get a hold of them, Boimler drops it on Mariner that, "Hey, I know Captain Freeman's your mom." And he starts making fun of her about Captain Mommy, and it was actually pretty funny. And and Mariner is ready to kill him because she doesn't want anybody knowing this. She has actively worked to make this not known. Except now, because he is saying this over an open comm frequency, however inadvertently. And Freeman's standing there on the bridge, and you just saw the look on her face, and she was like, "Yeah, killing them all now. Oh, yeah. And so she runs to the comm board, energizes them right on the deck. Mm-hmm. Then we get our credits, and everybody now on the ship is kissing Mariner's butt. Because they know it. Because they the think... Captain's mom. Ca- the, the captain is, is her mom. Because for some reason they think that Mariner is going to put in a good word with her mother, who she constantly butts heads with. These people are not the brightest, but... That's why they're on the Cerritos. Yes. Now that we know what's happening on the Cerritos, we're going to break away and go to their sister ship, the USS Solvang. Now, this is brand spanking new. Yes. It's... In fact, so spanking new that the on, on the tactical console for the captain's chair, she still has the cellophane still on the sticker, mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to peel it off. And she's making everyone on the bridge take their shoes off so they don't mess up the carpeting. Yes. Ridiculous. But they're... Hey, when you get a brand new toy... It is. How often is it that you... a sophisticated starship. Yes, yes, yes. But when I got my brand new TV a while ago, it was not brand new anymore, but when I did, I was like, ooh, the shininess. (laughs) Well, good. You you would have completely agreed with this captain then. So (laughs) they're, you know, bumming about, getting probably getting ready to go on their assignment, and all of a sudden, this ship that I, as someone who has seen a lot of Star Trek, I did not recognize anything on this ship. It was very large, and it started to pulverize the Solvang. And it started to, you know, cut pieces in it. It, started, it was just firing and firing and firing, and it sent out this grappling hook that latched onto the warp nacelle, and the captain was already in the process of trying to warp out of there. And when she said warp, it just tore the ship apart because the nacelle was being held, and the entire ship blew up. Yes. During this, they, they sent out a distress call. And it was only partially received, and the Cerritos got it. Well, they said that the Cerritos and the Titan were both in range. Right. Um, I was going to say, they they name-dropped the Titan. Titan has been named. Yes, several times. And Titan, as we already know, is Riker's ship. Yes. Captain Freeman says, you know what, we'll take it. You know, she probably just, you know, must have her carpeting. She's making fun of the captain because she knows how she is with her new toys. Yes! (laughs) Yes! I know, and Scott gets this, and that's weird. (laughs) So they fly out to where the ship was last seen, and they enter a debris field. Mm-hmm. And they can see that the ship has been completely destroyed. They scan for life forms. There are no life forms at all. Yes. As this is happening, that ship comes back, and it just starts firing on the Cerritos. And they disable them. They grapple onto the warp nacelle, and Freeman has the presence of mind to say, you know what, no, if we warp away, it's, we're going to die. Basically, not because she's thinking ahead of anything but because she said hey that other captain did it and you see what happened to their ship exactly so no i'm not doing that mistake right so she learns mistakes so they so they contact the ship and they the the, the aliens answer enterprise you are mine (laughs) (laughs) folks this show does a lot of deep cuts 
I they, didn't recognize these aliens. You didn't recognize the Packleds? No. So back in TNG, it was in the first few seasons, they encountered a ship that had sent out a distress call for help, and it was the Packleds. And they seemed to be less than intelligent. Yes. And what it turns out is they send out distress calls, kidnap people, and make them upgrade their ship. And they kidnapped LaForge and shot him a few times, and that was the whole thing. The episode's called Samaritan Snare. Entertaining episode. Well, the Packleds... five times fast. Samaritan Snare. I know. No, I will not. <laughs> so the Packleds are back, and they have been doing quite a bit of harvesting from other species and they are out for blood because they want the enterprise they don't care which enterprise because apparently all starfleet is the enterprise yes yes but the one thing we did find with this the packlet mm-hmm. the packlet ship was actually still in the center it was just a bunch of other ships attached to it yes which is why jason didn't recognize it exactly i didn't recognize it either but i'm never going to say i was going to recognize and do you it. know who actually and i was i was very happy with this because do you know who Figured out what happened with the alien ship? Boimler. It was Boimler. Throw a bone to Boimler. He figured something out and he did something right. So, at this point, Captain Freeman says, Alright, we're not getting anywhere doing things by the book. We need to do this the fast and dirty way. And who does that best on the ship? I don't know. You don't know? It's Mariner. Oh, right, right. The go-to lead of the series. Mm -hmm. You could hear the sarcasm rolling off my voice on that one, right? Calm down. Although... I do feel like we need to go back because we did skip over a couple people. We skipped over the Tendi and the Rutherford. Yes. And the introduction of the robot. The ro- Yes. Who is named Peanut Butter? Uh, Peanut Hamper. Peanut Hamper. Thank you. Sorry. Yes. So the, the robot is actually an exocomp, again, from a TNG episode where Data fights for their sentience. That one, I actually remember the, the, the robot. Okay. I don't remember what it was called. I just remember, the, I remember seeing that one before. I, don't, I think the episode is actually called Exocomps. I could be wrong, though. Um, so, new crew member of the Cerritos is an Exocomp, and Tendi is assigned to give her the tour, much like the Boimler had to do with Tendi when she came on board. Yeah, she was assigned as the welcoming committee. Yeah. So, she's showing her around, and you know they're in, they're in sick bay, and apparently, Peanut Hamper, which I'm never going to get used to saying. Well, don't worry. Yeah. Pass that long. yeah. Peanut Hamper is has some very good medical techniques because well, she, of high technology. Well, basically, Peanut Hamper has the ability to change her tool mm-hmm. at will. Right. And because they can change the tool at will, yep. she's just a floating tool. Right. Well, and that, that's what the exocomps were. They were just, they were a tool that could be multi-use because they could create what they needed. Well, now they have intelligence. So that's where we are with them. Rutherford really hadn't had a whole lot to do in this episode other than the first thing doesn't happen until later right well he's he is going through his because he found a new button on his implant and so he is going through different like that's a comedy mood yeah it it was which is fine it was good love the comedy on it and in fact he's going through each different mood and he's actually it's not just moods it's different character styles yeah. are different. It, it, um, it changes the way he talks it changes yeah. the way he, his facial expressions work and yeah Mar- mariner is going to take the lead on taking down the pack leads. and now the ship is being cut to pieces like literally they are using like phaser tools to cut the ship to pieces mm-hmm. and they have to evacuate the bridge and on the way you see a whole bunch of pack leads come you know board the ship in incredibly slow transporters so they have time to prepare yes normal transporter takes two seconds yeah their transporter took a minute uh yeah but it was good because in that time because they had no weapons mariner was able to outfit them 
Yes, so at the very beginning of the series, you saw that Mariner was getting some batless and other yeah. illegal... Some, some contraband. Sure, we'll go with that word. <laughs> it's the word the show uses. I know. And she didn't keep it, and with the en- with the other ensigns and their bunk areas, she hit him throughout the entire ship. The entire ship. In the ceiling. In the walls. All over the place. So they stop in this corridor... And she just start, and they're thinking, oh, what are we going to do? We don't have any weapons. And she just starts popping hatches and just weapon after weapon starts coming out. <laughs> I, I got nothing. It was ridiculous and I loved it. It was ridiculous. Freeman was not very happy, but then she was also very happy. Y- yes, because then they started kicking the crap out of the pack leads. Mariner, though, at this time called to Rutherford and says, Rutherford, we need to be able to get a virus mm-hmm. and create it. And so we can be able to uh, create the virus to put into their ship and, you know, mumbo jumbo. Right. Get it fixed. So Rutherford goes to the holodeck and we see Badgie again. Yep. Scott's favorite character of the show. (laughs) Badgie can't do it, though. Not in his current state. He needs to have the safety protocols turned off. Yes, because if you're going to have a homicidal how-to program, probably aren't going to be able to do that safely. No. No. So Badgie then... As soon as he comes as Evil Badgie, he pulls up and says, I have three viruses. <laughs> right away. It was like, oh, yeah. not, not even like a second. It was just like, boom, Evil Badgie, three viruses. Yeah. Not that he just made them either. He just had three viruses. Yes. So they got to get the viruses to the pack led ship. And Rutherford takes the virus and he actually puts it in his implant. Well, first, what happened was Rutherford went to Tendi. And the other medical people at the the lab. And they were saying, well, the best option would be to have the... Peanut hamper. Yes. To have the peanut hamper (laughs) fly the virus in because it can, you know, fly through... Survive the vacuum of space and... Yes. And it would then go in and install the virus. Mm -hmm. Peanut hamper did not like that. No, peanut hamper pretty much said, uh, I'm not doing that. I just joined Starfleet to make my dad mad and... Beamed right on out of there. And now she is out like, in space. Yes. Out of the ship. And, and, uh, un, uh, and unable to do what they need to do. So it is then that Rutherford takes the virus, impl- puts it in his implant, and they have to now get him there. Yes. So Shaxa says, fine. He grabs him and then literally grabs him. Oh, yeah. Throws him over his shoulder and starts running to the shuttle bay. Beating the crap out of Packlids on the way because Shax is... Mm-hmm. He's a violent man. He loves it. He does. He really does. And they, they get this old decrepit shuttle and they fly it over and they actually fly it directly into the Packled ship. Yep. Enough so that they can open the door, get out, and while Shax is fighting off Packleds, Rutherford is connecting to the mainframe and he's uploading the virus. And then the virus stops at around 96. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty high up there. And Badgie comes up and says, hey, hey, yeah. We're not going to go to 100% until you're dead. Yeah, because Badgie is a homicidal program. So Shaxa then decides to go to Rutherford, rip out his implant, mm-hmm. throws the implant on the ground, and then Sha- and then Badgie's like, no, that's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> he drags Rutherford to the shuttle bay, uh, to, sorry, to the shuttlecraft, pushes the shuttlecraft out, and then he starts to continue fighting, and then the ship explodes. But Shaxa still in it. Yes. I was very surprised that they killed off a bridge crew member. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't one of the four, but still. He, he's, not was... a, he's not a main character. He is he is a B-level character. Yes, it is. 
it's a sad thing to see a named character go, but also have to remember he is a security guy, mm-hmm. and security is normally the ones that die. That's true. Like, you know, hey, this could be a reference to Yar, who died in the first season. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, so Shax is dead, the ship is destroyed, Rutherford is on his way back, unconscious, the Cerritos is getting ready to leave, and all of a sudden, three more pack-led super ships come in, grapple the ship, and start going to work on it again, and they've got nothing now. They can't do a thing. And all of a sudden, we hear, we the audience, hear some music. TNG. We hear the Next Generation theme playing, and you see this pristine, beautiful ship fly out of space, and you hear the voice of William T. Riker, as voiced by Jonathan Frakes. Mm-hmm. The Titan has come a-calling, and now the Titan is... Ten times stronger. It's a much nicer ship, and it starts just... Destroying the pack lids to the point where they, they took them down and they retreated. Mm-hmm. We, we do find out where Mariner gets a good amount of her contraband from. It's not the fact that he she gets it from him, but she also learned how to get the stuff, too. Which I'm not surprised by at all. I mean, there, there's been a few episodes where Riker got stuff that he probably shouldn't have had. I mean, crap, one time he brought a video game on board that it put the entire crew under, like, mental control of another species. Yeah. I know. It happens, right? So the the Titan saves the day. Riker is on the uh is is with the Cerritos and he, he knows Captain Freeman, he's pals with her, he knows Mariner, Deanna Troy is there, as voiced by Marina Sirtis. So it's good to see that they're carrying over their reprising of their characters from Picard onto this. Mm-hmm. They are refitting the Cerritos. They're they're repairing it and getting it back ready for for flying space worthiness. Yeah. And Riker specifically goes to Boimler and says, Boomer, that was a great job doing, and then I forget what he said, but he he congratulated Boomer. He said that he was one of the top people that Ransom said. And and, and we learned this earlier in the episode, that Ransom said that Boimler's record is flawless. Mm -hmm. And he hands Boimler a pad and walks away, chumming it up with, I think it was Mariner at that point. Yeah, I think it was, I don't remember exactly. Yeah. And this, this was the second... Very large surprise. I was very surprised by Shax dying. I, I, I didn't see it coming. The second big surprise came when Boimler looks at the pad and we find out that he was promoted to lieutenant and transferred to the Titan, complete with different uniform and everything because the Titan is still using the uniforms that they use in the TNG movies. Exactly. And you saw that he put on the black pip. Yep. So he is now, Boimler is now a lieutenant junior grade. Yep. And on the Titan... He's one of the cool guys. Because they said their next mission was to go to one of the planets they've already went to once. It was the second episode where they lost the Klingon ambassador. Yes. And Boimler knows about that planet. Mm -hmm. And he knows about the restaurants or the things that are happening in there. Right. So he seems like he's actually intelligent. Well, he's taken a few lessons from Mariner. You take your experience and run with it. Exactly. Now, Mariner. Pissed. She's mad. Pissed. Because he left the Cerritos and he's gone. The thing was, Mariner doesn't want to have anything change. Right. She wants her friends to be with her. She wants her friends to stay with her. Right. It's her friends is what she's there for. She's not there for Starfleet. Right. She's not there for her mother. No. She's there to hang around with her friends. Right. And and, and to try and do some good where Starfleet drags its feet. And she sees that she can only do that as an ensign. Right. Which is why she doesn't want to upgrade to a lieutenant. Right. 
And it seems like she kind of took it as a personal insult that Boimler took the promotion. Yes. But, I mean, this is what Boimler's wanted all along. And he got it. Day one since we met him. And I, I gotta say, I, I feel great for Boimler because he took it on the chin a few times during this season. And But yeah, he's not even on the Cerritos anymore. Now, I know the show has been renewed for a second season. I'm really curious to see how they're going to do it. I can't imagine they're going to write him off, especially since, I mean, as a character, he was one of the two leads. Yep. And the actor who portrays him is gaining popularity because not only is he in a Star Trek show, he is also plays Huey on The Boys. So I can't imagine they're getting rid of Jack Quaid. No. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to do season two. I'm assuming it's just going to start off with he did something stupid. I can't imagine them doing that. <laughs> but. Oh, you know, and honestly, you know what would be great? If they do a time jump and he gets transferred back to the Cerritos and is Mariner's boss. That would be funny. That would be fantastic. Yes. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, but that is a scenario I could live with. So that was the finale. Now, as a season as a whole, mm-hmm. we're going to compare these between the previous Star Treks. All right. All right. We already know that your top is DS9. Well, okay. My top show as a whole is DS9. Yes, and that's where we're going with as a whole. Oh, okay. All right. We're going as a whole. Because are we going as a whole or are we going for first season? Because the first season of DS9 is no, we're going, good but not We're going great. as a whole because there is only one season. All right. That's fair. So we'll go this as a whole. Or do you want to go with Percy uh, for first season? I, I think it is more fair to compare it to the first seasons of other shows. Fine. What is your favorite first season series? Probably Discovery. Okay. I think Discovery had a very strong first season where a couple of the episodes were see I kind of misses, but... I actually have Enterprise as my favorite first season. Really? Yep. And see, I, I, think, I think Enterprise got great at the end, but the first season and most of the second season was bland. I... The reason why I liked Enterprise from the first season because it was actually more towards the guise of what I thought Enterprise should be. Mm. The discovery, the actual, the newness of everything. Right. The finding out. And I know it seems boring on that end, but that's actually what I thought the story should have been guiding for. I'll agree with you on that. My issue with the first season of Enterprise is I think the writing was shaky. Yeah. Story-wise... I liked it because they met the Andorians. They met the Tellarites. They had a lot of conflict with the Vulcans because, folks, I can't stress this enough. The Vulcans are arrogant pricks. Every single incarnation of a Vulcan is an arrogant prick, including Spock, and we love Spock. I take offense to that. Okay. Just because you, you include Spock. Okay. Go back and watch TOS and tell me he is not an arrogant prick. <laughs> now, other first seasons... So what's your next after Discovery? Um, after Discovery, it might it's probably TOS. Okay. Because TOS's strongest season was its first one. It had most of the best episodes. Mm-hmm. It was it, the, the concepts and the writing were the strongest in the first season of TOS. Now I'm going again. I'm doing a bad one that you're not going to like, which is Voyager. Okay. Because it's it's the whole premise of the series is based off of the first season. And then after that, I felt, you know, there were good episodes here and there. But within Voyager, it's it just seemed to be a repeat within it, within the series from there. But the first season, we have, you know, the actual expulsion to the Delta Quadrant. Right. See, for me, Voyager is a show that never lived up to its premise. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I enjoy it a lot. I have watched the entire thing. I plan on watching it again when I do a Star Trek rewatch. 
I enjoy the crap out of Voyager. But there should have been so much more intercrew conflict. There should have been so much more of the ship being beaten down because they have no supply lines. Yes. But it never did that because they are always hitting the reset button. And that was the thing is that's what happened in the later seasons. In the first season, though, it was so sort of actually getting hurt. And they were losing stuff and things like that. But it was the beginning of it. And that's why I'm saying we're just looking at first seasons. And that's why I'm putting that there. That's fair. What's your third? DS9. Um, it, it, the first season of DS9 had a couple of excellent episodes and it really set the tone for the entire series. Mm-hmm. It also had some duds. Yes. Um, after DS9, oh, what's your third actually? My third is actually TOS. TOS? Okay. That's fair. Yeah. So I go, uh, I go into TOS. So what's your fourth? My fourth would be probably Picard. Okay. Um, I would rate Picard a little higher because I mean... The, the effects are very good. The writings, for the most part, is pretty good. Mm-hmm. There was a couple things in the finale that really irritate me about Picard, and it knocks the entire season down by several notches. I'm st- I'm actually on the same wavelength for you from number four. I'm on Picard. Okay. Number five would probably be Voyager. My five is actually Discovery. Okay. Interesting. Six. Um, We've gone through. We haven't done TNG. We haven't done Lower Decks. Uh, Enterprise. You haven't. Done, I've done it. It's hard for me to... Do Lower Decks, because it's so fresh. Yeah. Let, let, let's go through everything, and then I'll figure out where Lower Decks fits into that. No, no that's what I'm trying to but figure out But then, right Enterprise. So, after your Enterprise, I'm TNG. Okay. Because TNG, we have... The reason why it's so low on the list, I want to give it on this reasoning. It's great with Q in the first episode. It meandered along within the series from that point. Mm-hmm. It didn't get, really get its footing until later seasons. You will notice that I have not named TNG yet. I know. Because TNG is my number seven. The first season of TNG has a handful of good episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Encounter at Farpoint with Q, that's a good one. Measure of a Man is a great episode. Most of the season is garbage. Yes. Abject garbage. And the second season made a lot of improvements, but it's still only okay. TNG did not gain its footing until the third season. When people ask me, oh, hey, how should I watch TNG? Start with season three. Once you develop a good love for the characters, go back to seasons one and two because the stories are mostly crap. Yeah. So my seven, the last one on the list, DS9 is DS9. I'm offended. I know you should be. And here's the thing. I love Benjamin Sisko. Mm-hmm. He's a great captain. I actually found a YouTube uh, video the other day and I sent it to Jason about uh, some YouTube company saying, hey, Sisko is the best captain. Yep. It was actually a Trek culture on YouTube. It's a pretty good page yeah and what i find is cisco didn't enter his stride until avery brooks was able to shave his head you know what i'll agree with that and that was season three yes again season one was very good season two was pretty good season three it started to gain his footing that show took off at season four well that's the thing is like it was better in the later seasons and whereas i'm saying enterprise was good in the first season voyager was good in the first season Star Trek and D, uh, sorry TNG and DS9, those can be flipped around with me either way. It's, I'm not really hard on either of the two being, but they're in the two last positions because their they're beginning series mm-hmm. doesn't really kick off or do anything exponentially better until later right. series. And that's fair. Season. I think I rate DS9 so high because it is my favorite show. I think that it's got the best characters. It's got the best character growth. 
and it's got a lot of the best stories. So I am very biased towards Deep Space Nine. I understand, and that's why I knew you weren't going to be happy with my list. Yeah, <laughs> it's subjective. I'll, I'll I'll give it to you now. But we're now that we have the listing, you are forgetting a show: Star Trek: The Animated Series. I never watched it, so um, I can't I can't even count it. I have. I don't really count it as a series by itself. It's more of a continuation of TOS, just animated. Sure, sure. So. I, I, I've, I've never watched it, so I can't. You should give it a whirl. I have never watched it. <laughs> You're not going to watch it, are you? <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm not giving an answer on that right now. Okay, so as far as Lower Decks goes, I'm, I would probably rate it as far as quality and consistency near the top. Because mm-hmm. I think each episode was consistently funny. Each episode, they, they did a lot of good character development throughout, mm-hmm. the, se- throughout the season. And... They had a lot of callbacks, and it wasn't like one episode was callback heavy and then the other one was all... No, they, they called back to a lot of Trek, and for the most part, I th- I feel they did it in a good way. It wasn't forced. Some of it was. A lot of it was, I think, kind of natural. So I'm giving it the middle of the pack. Okay. And the reason is because it's doing a lot of callbacks, and people that are not used to other star treks or knowing other star treks or someone that it doesn't know all the other races and the callbacks as to what's happening it's a detriment to them and that is a fair critique and that's where i find there was a good enough story decent enough story that it follows high so it's high in the middle of the pack but it's still in the middle of the pack because you need to have that previous background knowledge. Yeah. And if you didn't know about the TOS storyline from the previous episode we just talked about, right. then eh, the joke's not going to land on you. Yeah, it's going to fall a little flat. If you don't know about the Klingons getting drunk constantly and being able to <laughs> do everything, the second episode is not going to really handle it with you. Right. If you don't know the subtleties within the uh, the protocols that they're supposed to be doing from the other previous seasons right. or series, then a lot of the other jokes are just not going to land. Right. And as someone that is not a Star Trek freak, what do I you say imp- that with the most endearment for you. Let's say, what are you implying, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> for someone that is not all in on Star Trek, but will watch it for the entertainment value of it. Right. Then, to me, I didn't get every single joke but I did understand some of it. So there was a lot of stuff that probably blew over my head because I didn't right. recognize it. Like like the pack leads. Like the pack leads. It's like, okay, I, didn't, I mean, yeah, probably from somewhere, but I don't remember. Yeah. No, and, and that is a very fair critique. You do get a lot more out of it if you know your Star Trek. I will also say, though, it is, I think, a very accessible show because while you get a lot more out of it if you do know your Star Trek, if you don't know your Star Trek, it's still funny. Which is why I do throw it in the high middle, uh, middle pack. Yeah. I can, I can deal with that. I'm still very offended by your ranking of Deep Space Nine. You should be. Although, we will have a definitive talk later about ranking of Star Trek series as a whole. Eventually, maybe, if I can convince him to do it. It's not looking good, though, folks. I never said anything. <laughs> I never said anything. Oh, you have a look of existential dread when I mentioned that. Oh, I'm actually just trying to think of how our transition is going to go into the next thing. Ah. So, folks, a little bit of news. Now... You heard us, you know, we've been talking about Lower Decks. It is a Star Trek animated series. It is not the first Star Trek animated series. That one came out in the 70s. Which we've already talked about, saying that I've never seen it. And, and he probably will never watch it. Probably never will. However, there is a third animated series in the works. It is called Star Trek Prodigy. Now, this one is going to be a little different. It's going to be aimed more towards children. And it's about a group of kids 
and by kids, I'm sure they're going to be teenagers. They find an abandoned starship and they go on adventures. Now it's going to air on Nickelodeon. I had heard about it. I don't know that they, pretty much up until today. That is everything I knew about this, but a big piece of news dropped at Comic-Con. Comic-Con. Was, wasn't it's Comic-Con today? Oh, New York City Comic-Con, I think is this week. Yeah. Yeah. New York City Comic-Con. It's this weekend. So a big piece of news dropped today at New York City Comic-Con about Star Trek Prodigy. And it's the first bit of news we've had in a while. And that is the lead in the show is going to be Captain Janeway, played by Kate Mulgrew. See, I didn't know it was she was the lead. I, I read that she was the lead. Now, I don't know if I don't know how that's gonna work. I, I would I'm sure they they're probably gonna give her top billing, but I would imagine the kids are gonna more take the lead in the show. But yeah, we are getting a third animated series, and it just jumped a lot up in my anticipation because it has Kate Mulgrew in it. Because before that, I was kind of lukewarm on the idea. Why would you lukewarm on a child's Star Trek show that would get pe- get younger kids interested in your thing? Because I'm not necessarily worried about getting those kids interested in it. I want a good show. Oh, selfishness. Selfishness, 100%. Besides, my kids are already sold on Lower Decks. Yeah, but your kids, they, they already have a crutch on that because you're pushing it upon them. Uh, they watch it independent of me. They make their mother watch it. See, I couldn't see her doing that. She will do just about anything for her children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another bit of news that also came out of New York City Comic Con is that Spider-Man 3, and I feel like we have to put an asterisk next to that because it really bothers me that they're calling it Spider-Man 3, but Spider-Man 3 has added Benedict Cumberbatch to the list of actors. Cumberbatch? 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 Cumberbatch. Okay, the dude's name is weird. There's like a million different ways to pronounce it. I refuse to be shamed there's, for that. There's a T before the C. The T is silent. No, it's not. Batch. It's, it's, I'm, ba- I'm going Bach, down. Bach is B-A-C-H, and that was a Viennan composer. There is a 99% chance that I'm wrong, but I'm going to say the T is silent. So Benedict Cumberbatch... <laughs> <laughs> has been added to the cast of Spider-Man 3, and he is going to be the, air quotes, mentor character of Peter Parker in this one. Because we know he had Iron Man in the first Spider-Man movie, he had Nick Fury in the second one, now he's got Doctor Strange. And given that Doctor Strange is going to be working with the multiverse, and apparently Jamie Foxx has said that he is in the movie... Supposedly, Kristen Dunst is now too. They're doing a Spidey multiverse movie, and I am excited. Now, that Kirsten Dunst thing is strictly a rumor. There was nothing that came out of that. I think they were doing it before you mentioned that, though, based on J. Jonah Jameson being from the original Spider-Man trilogy and Jamie Foxx being from the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I think they're gearing up to do a live-action multiverse movie. Whether they can get Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield to reprise their roles, who knows? But this could be... If they follow into the Spider-Verse, this could be the introduction of Miles Morales to the MCU. Now, there are... This is not movie news. Well, this is movie news, but this is uh, purchasing movie news. Okay. We're talking about Blu-ray releases or digital releases of films that have been coming out. Um, They have announced that New Mutants, Mm -hmm. the Blu-ray and digital release, will be coming out November 17th. It's pretty soon. Yes, it's coming out pretty soon. And... Tenet has a release in December. That one I'm excited for because I did not go to the theater to see it. I wanted to see both of these in the theater. Unfortunately, I am not doing those at the moment. Right. So as soon as these come out in the digital version or the uh, 4K Blu-ray version, I will be picking one of these up. 
And then we will do our reviews of these movies at that time. Excellent. So I wanted to make sure that people were aware they're coming out. Woohoo! Soon. Well, that's all the news I have. Uh, that's all I got, too. I have been your geek, Scott. I have been your geek, Jason. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. Engage! Engage! <laughs>